What's the worst part about breaking four tackles and running into the end zone for the game-winning touchdown? Not having your Wayfair still with you to protect your eyes from all the flashbulbs. Sounders, keep your shades anchored and where they belong during life's greatest feats. Head to soundergoods.com and use promo code KTTC to get 10% off and free shipping with any order. You're listening to the Keefe to the City Podcast. Here's Neil Keith. All right, so Super Bowl 49 is nearly upon us, uh, the Seahawks and the Patriots. Uh, in what should be a pretty good battle, the, the lines moved a little bit here and there. It's been pick em. It's the Patriots' uh, favorite as high as one and a half. So where it will settle will probably be somewhere around even before uh, kickoff on Sunday night. And to join me today to talk about Super Bowl 49 with the Seahawks and the Patriots is uh, Mike Hurley, a good friend of the site and the podcast, as always, of CBS Boston. He's in Arizona, and uh, he's in his hotel room right now. And, uh, Mike, how's it going today? I'm just here to not get fined. <laughs> yeah, I was watching his uh, latest press conference recently uh, this morning, uh, or this afternoon, I guess, really, and uh, he just answered every question with, uh, you know why I'm here, and then he, they would ask questions like, uh, what do you have to say to your fans, or, or anyone else, really, and he would say, they know why I'm here, so uh, another mockery of the, the NFL's uh, you know, idea that Marshawn Lynch has to be represented and that has to be there for the media for his five minutes, and it's just it's pretty ridiculous at this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm technically in the media, but I never really consider myself a media member, um, even though I kind of fit the bill all the way down to like the checkered shirt and the khakis and the nerd look and the <laughs> terrible questions. I so think you're, I, I, I was gonna say I think your your look on the uh, on the ice at the Garden after the Bruins lost the only cup with your lanyard around your neck was pretty much the poster boy. My thumbs up, my thumbs up in my recorder in my hand. Yeah, that was that was a good <laughs> look. But I mean, I don't understand why people care. They take it personally. Whatever. I mean, if to me, like like in New England, Brian Stork, the rookie center, is is just not a nice person to the media. And Yahoo wrote this whole story last night on on him being a jerk, not answering the questions. It's like. First of all, like what what quotes do you need from the the rookie center? Like what's he going to tell you about about anything that's going to be a great quote? And, and if he's a jerk to you, so what? Like that, that's not. I don't know. If I'm if I'm a fan, I would like that more. I would I would want my interior lineman to be nasty and snarly and like disgusting and smelly and just like no one wants to be around him because that's a guy you probably quit if you have, if you have to go against that guy every play you just quit so so i I don't people get so worked up over whether people are nice or mean or rude to the media it's just whatever marshawn lynch is like manny ramirez like times 10 so i I, you know i can appreciate that it's kind of ridiculous that the nfl is so worried about um you know what color cleats he's gonna wear or like him grabbing his crotch or whatever he does and his hat he's gonna get fined for his hat yeah i mean the one thing is like with lynch is that you know, you're probably going to, I mean, he's made a lot of money. He's going to make a lot more money when he's free agent, but you're going to like maybe possibly need this money down the road. So why don't you just, you know, comply with them if they're going to keep fighting you. And I think the thing about the NFL, you know, they're so worried about what he's doing or what he's saying, or if he's going to talk. And I know they wanted to find him for his hat, his beast mode hat that he wore yesterday, which isn't um, an official sponsor of the NFL. So he wasn't allowed to wear it. And now they're 
talking about fighting him for that, and it's like, you're in the NFL, I mean, granted, deflate gate or, or whatnot is maybe not the biggest deal, but, you know, you have, you have all these other issues with domestic violence and concussions and things, and, and you're so worried about what one running back's wearing uh, on media day when you're forcing him to be there. Yeah, I mean, God forbid a human being who is the reason that these games exist makes money off himself. It's, it's like the NCAA not allowing you to make any money off your own abilities and yourself. So the NFL only makes the money, and they, they decide what players can and can't make money on. So apparently that includes their own likeness and brand. So, I mean, you'll notice Brady wasn't wearing his TB12 hat, but uh, he also doesn't sell those. So, But it's, that, would, that would be a much more exciting story to see what the, what the uh, NFL did with, with Brady if he did that. But it's just you should be – if. If you go out there every week and you see Marshawn Lynch take, you know, just the most massive hits out of anyone in the league because he absorbs about five every play, and he's getting his head smashed in, he's getting his body beaten in. You know, the guy, the running back that plays that hard will be lucky to walk when he's 50, yet he can't make his own money off his own likeness. So that's, that's what the NFL is worried about. So there we are. Well, uh, as we get closer to the Super Bowl, and now people are actually starting to talk about the game and uh, real schemes and, and real-life football and not the air in footballs, uh, it just seems like I, I feel like the flake gate, um, and I hate saying that, but that's what everyone calls it, it's sort, of, <laughs> it sort of lost its steam uh, this last couple of days, and now it seems like uh, you know people are more focused on the game because it's getting closer and closer, and I'm sure once, you know, uh, either when the Seahawks win and people are going to laugh at the Patriots for claiming that they're cheating and they still couldn't win, or if the Patriots win and people are upset that they won because they're cheaters or whether they're not cheaters or, or really if deflating football is cheating, I don't know. But it just seems like uh, it's going to pick up again now after the Super Bowl and once an investigation is actually really done. And I'm, pr- I'm sure that by now you're pretty much sick of the entire story and having to talk or, or write or listen about it. Yeah, it's basically been 24-7 for what's today uh wednesday for a week and a half you know it started that night with the report that they're investigating it and then the following night came out that you know uh the balls are underinflated and since then it's just been so stupid and just so ridiculous and it's, it's something what still kills me is it's something that before last sunday what was that january we'll say 16th 17th before that day not one person I mean, well, right, maybe a couple dozen people in the whole world knew anything about how footballs were prepared for game use in the NFL. And by Tuesday, no, by Monday, you had people calling for, you know, a Hall of Fame coach to be fired or for a, you know, a Hall of Fame quarterback to be suspended for the Super Bowl on this topic that literally nobody knew anything about. So it's only gotten worse since then. And frankly, it's, it's, to me, it's just still, it's, they, they, this is a guess. This is, there's been reports. They, they gave the footballs underinflated. The referees grabbed them with their hands and were like, yeah, sure, these are footballs, play with them. And then they were told to test them at halftime, and they obviously didn't check out. I think I think that's, I mean, if you want to consider it cheating, they hand them underinflated balls, knowing they probably won't pressure test them, then you can. But, I mean, if you think it's a big deal, then you need to find something better to do because what are you talking about? You're talking about a football, and, and they played football with a football, and they won a football game, so... <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It's just exhausting. I, I think the uh, 
it's nice that you say football rather than balls because everyone's you know had their fun with uh, Brady and Belichick saying balls over and over. And uh, I've really tuned in a lot because to their press conferences because I thought maybe someone would say something uh, last week or over the weekend. Maybe uh, you know one of them gets suspended or I mean fines aren't really going to do much, but maybe something crazy would happen. But none of that happened. And the most telling thing of all the press conferences they've done and the most they've talked about it is that Bill Belichick talking about Spygate, which he's never really referenced yeah. or talked about and that sort of blew me away because here he is on a Saturday afternoon saying you know we videos this guy in front of 80,000 people really any of the 80,000 people could have taped him too and he made good points and, and even going back to that when that all happened I mean I I never considered that to be you know outrageous it, I, it just seems like something every team should do and why wouldn't you do it if uh, if you had the chance to and I've never viewed the Patriots as cheaters with that even though they were fined and lost draft picks and all that but I've never I've never thought oh the Patriots won Super Bowls because they were cheaters I just I don't get why people think that's like a, yeah. a, a good reason to or a good thing to talk about well there's a couple things the, the fact that he didn't he never talked about it. it it allowed it to sort of grow into this giant nefarious evil plot where where they had this elaborate scheme and this, this entire web of, of videos that that no one else had in it and a lot of it has to do with the, the, the story before the Super Bowl that they filmed the walkthrough a story that was later taken off the record because it wasn't it wasn't proven to be true. You know, it was a hearsay from one source. So that that perception still pers- uh, persisted. And I think the penalty wasn't the draft pick because they were they went sixteen and zero. I don't think they needed a draft pick. And it wasn't the half million dollars to Belichick or the million dollars to Kraft. It was it was perception. That was what the penalty was. So you did this. You you said you know you give Roger Goodell the finger because he sent out the memo to stop doing it and you did it anyway. So this is what you get. Everyone's going to think you're a cheater. And the fact that you don't ever address it, uh, the fact that you never actually explain yourself or do anything, it, it allows it to sort of grow into this mythical thing called Spygate that, that is really only like, it's it just like a snowball rolling down a hill every year. It just gets bigger and becomes worse in people's minds. So it's, uh, it, it's been, it's been, that, that was silly in itself. And that's why when this happened, I think Bill was more proactive in being, you know, maybe I won't say honest because I don't know what the hell went on with them, but, you know, he's, he's, he's coming out and basically saying this is stupid because he didn't say it back then. And look, I mean, eight years later, it's still, you know, dogging his resume or whatever. So it's, it's, it's been a different way to handle it. And, uh, I've, at this time, I'd be shocked if any actual punishment comes, but this is, this is still lingering punishment from Spygate, I think. Yeah, and it just seems like uh, the lingering has kind of come to a stop now because watching Media Day yesterday, and I know you were there, I, I, I didn't really, or maybe I didn't pay attention well enough, but I watched a pretty good amount of both Belichick and Brady, and I didn't hear anyone ask them questions about it. Yeah, I mean, you get the same answer. You pretty much know at this point what you're going to get, but going back to what you said where you don't consider them cheaters, I think that's because you're a Giants fan and you don't have to really worry about it because your team beat them in the biggest games twice. And I think the difference with you and a lot of people is that their teams consistently keep getting beaten by them. You know, obviously the Patriots haven't won a Super Bowl in a decade, but he's, he, he's, you know, he's rolled through the AFC East every year. He's, he's always in that championship game. It's what, nine and 14 years or whatever, or nine or 10. So he continues to win at really a level that no other team does. The Ravens have been good lately, but they weren't even involved the first, you know, 10 years the Patriots were rolling, that Belichick was there. You know, the Steelers had their ups and they've had their downs. 
Uh, the Colts, they were at the top. They got knocked off. They disappeared. They came back. They keep getting rolled by the Patriots. So all these teams, they come up. They have their blips. They have two or three good years. They have two or three down years. And the Patriots just keep going 12-4, and 13-3, 14-2. And I think that, combined with the fact that Belichick's never made an effort to make friends with any of his coaches. I don't think any other head coaches are, you know, chummy with Bill Belichick. So I think the fact that, that so many people just are sort of, they keep getting beaten by him and they just resent him because he doesn't seem, he's never made an effort to sort of be likable to anyone but his players. So it's, it's, it's a, that, I think that's as big a reason as any of that, that the perception continues. Well, you brought up a good point there in that Belichick doesn't care about really anyone else's perception but his players. And uh, I've always liked Belichick and Brady. Like I understand why people don't like Belichick because he's short with the media. Again, it's a media thing where people, you know, they want to write their stories, they need their quotes, and here he is giving short answers. But it's always I to me, yeah, I, I don't mind that because you know he's if you're gonna sit there and ask some stupid ass question and he's gonna give you a stupid ass answer, you know, it's all fair. I don't know why he has to go into detail and explain things to to people just so they can uh, you know fill words in their uh, you know in their game notes or something but when you watch him on media day and uh, you know he's not he's not this you know short and uh, you know asshole-ish guy he, he's giving real answers to people and and he, he he answered questions in full he answered every question asked of him um, and I and I have fun watching him I think it's enjoyable when he you know gets into it when he starts talking like he did on Saturday when he brought up things like Spygate and things he hadn't talked about in the past and I think the most telling part like you said with him caring about his players is when uh, Willie McGinnis was there, he he asked him questions, and that's when his you know his he actually his face lit up. He actually smiled, and he actually took the time and gave a real response because I feel like he only wants to talk football or give you know real football ideas with people that played it or can understand it on his level. Right, and and people like Willie will always be you know the the apple of Bill's eye. But if Ray Lewis came out to ask a question, I don't think it would would have worked so well. That would have <laughs> made for better TV, I think. But yeah, I mean Bill's a human being if you if you watch the football life you know that he's kind of he's kind of like everyone's dad like you know he 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 dresses funky and he wears visors and he, he just wants to golf he golfs in his jeans and in the private clubs in Nantucket so he's uh he's an interesting guy but obviously when it comes down to business and what most people see of him is just a guy whose sole focus and purpose in life is to win football games so uh it's it, it, if he rubs people the wrong way along the way, he doesn't really give a crap. So that's that's Bill Belichick, and it, it is it is. I think I think yesterday at media day he was more relaxed. I mean he's been relaxed in situations, but that was like he had flip flops on. He was sitting back. He was just taking stupid stupid questions and just sort of going with the flow. So I don't know. I don't know what was going on with him yesterday. He was he was in a loose mood. I don't know what he did beforehand or afterward, but that was uh, that was probably as relaxed as I've ever seen him. The uh, I saw Gerard Mayo's daughter was asking the questions like on behalf of Patriots or maybe Patriots dot com and she asked him uh, what's his favorite stuffed animals or, or something funny yeah. like that and he he actually answered he said something I think he said it was like finger puppets which is that was a weird yeah, answer um, that was the weirdest thing he said or like most unusual thing he said all day it was like a monkey that you put your fingers in control which is not surprising that he likes a uh, a deceptive mani- a toy that he can manipulate. <laughs> And, to, uh, and it's weird that else. and that's not even a stuffed animal. So I was almost like, you know, that was that was a terrible answer. 
Yeah, not not his best, but I don't think he was. I don't think he prepared for that one. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I've never really, uh, I've never really gotten the hatred for him, and and maybe that's because he's a Yankees fan, and you always see him in uh, Florida hanging out with um, Cashman or Tory back in the day, and I never really disliked Brady either because he's sort of been Boston's, uh, you know, version of Jeter, where maybe he doesn't put up the stats that you know Peyton Manning does or Aaron Rodgers has, even though Brady has had some you know historical seasons and pretty much you know that 07 season was uh arguably the best season of any quarterback in history but he's always uh you know been the clean cut guy given the right answers um he had to work hard to get to the point where he is today nothing was given to him as a sixth round pick so uh, again with him I've never really understood the hatred for him and maybe it's because um you know he he's played on the Patriots and 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 for Belichick who people really don't like but I just I never have understood why people don't like Tom Brady well I mean millions of people hated Derek Jeter so it's the same thing when you're the face of the franchise that wins either, you know, four World Series or three Super Bowls in a short amount of time, there's just going to be a natural level of spite. And the fact that, that Brady is regarded as that golden boy when, you know, he's not, he's not, he isn't this perfect human being. Obviously, he's a, he's a human like anyone else, but he's regarded in this like, like a deity. So when, when, whenever that happens, people are going to have some spite. But yeah, I mean, really, the guy never really says anything controversial. He never really, you know, does anything outright wrong. People give him crap for his, you know, personal life back in 07, but I don't think that's something. I remember listening to sports radio back then and had a nun called up denouncing Tom Brady for leaving <laughs> Bridget Moynihan. And that was about as ridiculous as it ever got. But yeah, I mean, people hate seeing the same person succeed. I think that's, it's, that's it's what such it a is. Weird, and that is such a weird thing. And, and it, it is true. Like, People, you know, they root like when Brady was a rookie and when he led them to, to over the Rams, you know, he was the he was the guy. Everyone loved him, and then as they won more yeah. and more, he became the guy who everyone hated. It's just it's a weird concept to think that people can uh, you know root for someone not on their team or like a national figure so heavily to win, but then they only want him to win you know just enough, not too much. Because if you win too much, then then you become this uh, you know uh, anti figure. Right, and that's 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 Brady to a T. And, you know, it's, it's, he said, he's trying to think, he, he said, uh, what was it, three, you know, four years ago for the season opener, he said, you know, all right, it's good for the late game, so the fans got plenty of time to get looped up. Oh, yeah. And it's a pretty benign comment. You know, it's not breaking news that football fans get drunk at football games. And all Brady did was say, you know, it gives the guys plenty of time to drink. And he got slammed for it. The Mothers Against Drunk Driving came out and spoke out against them. And it was this big thing. The Patriots had to release a statement saying he meant water, not alcohol. <laughs> and it's just like every like the man can't even open his mouth and talk like a normal guy without it making national news. So uh, it's I don't envy that because in, in a lot like most of what Brady says at his press conferences are boring and bland and have no substance at all. And, and I don't even blame him for it because it's it's just going to be exhausting to to not be able to say, to offer one opinion on anything. So it was actually, in, and look at what happened this time, where, you know, I actually, ace reporter Mike Hurley got in his ear after the Baltimore game and said Harbaugh thought they were being deceitful and that the league would look at it, and he was pissed off, and he said, he said you know, well, I don't know what's deceitful about that. Maybe they should learn the rules. And what, <laughs> do you think it's a coincidence that the next week they got bagged for a minor infraction of, of a part of the rule book that no one really followed? So... You know, to the uh, that that little comment itself was a nice little soundbite, but that alone had consequences too. So, it's uh, 
as much as fun as it would be to be Tom Brady, I think it would be just a constant headache. Now he has a cold, and I, I wonder if it's from all this uh, staying up all night worried about deflated balls. During his thing, I think the funniest thing that he said, um, and, and he, like you said, he doesn't really say anything controversial. The most controversial thing ever is probably the him you know, calling out Plaxico's prediction in, in Super Bowl Forty Two, which he was wrong about. But when he talked about— Even then, it was curbed. It was, you know— Yeah, exactly. Uh, if, if he wants to say we're going to lose, at least make it 45-42. <laughs> And I think the the most unusual thing is to hear him talk about his family and how he's talking about his family in Brazil. And it's just weird to see this guy who's like this all-American, clean-cut kid from San Francisco and to think that, you know, his wife's side of their family is like these Brazilian people and he goes to Brazil and visits them. I just, just you know, envisioning that is just funny to me. Yeah, I mean, you saw the video of him dancing at Carnival <laughs> a few years ago, which was, uh, that was, that was a tough off-season for Brady because was that the same off-season of his... Uh, Water slide experience. Oh, that was, I that mean, was, he's like that was around. He looks like the most unathletic guy when he's doing anything other than playing football. Yeah, I mean, and give him credit because you know one of the best things about him is that he's he's the most you know just like any great athlete, he's an incredible, an incredibly tough critic on himself, and he obviously knew he ran like a like a wounded a wounded deer and and it was never part of the team he had the one run where he beat brian erlacher out of his shoes in 2006 and and that sort of served as his only really impressive run and you know he he saw himself losing mobility he saw his pockets collapsing more often and maybe his offensive line was as good as it used to be and he spent a lot of time in the offseason making that part of his game obviously not the biggest part but this year more than any other he'll see you know an opening he won't force a ball and he'll just tuck it and he'll run nine yards ten yards 12 yards, whatever he's got to do. It's not Russell Wilson. It's not Michael Vick. It's not even Geno Smith. But it's it's an element of the offense now where where he can take that where he used to never do it before. And and look at look at Peyton in the in the divisional round against the Colts. He had the whole field in front of him. Obviously, he had his injury, but he he decided to throw it incomplete instead of taking an easy 12 yard run because he just can't do it. So I think that's something that continues to differentiate. We're not talking about Manning, but. You know, when they're that great of a quarterback, you're always compared to him. So it's like that 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 type of thing is, is something that differentiates him again. Where at 37, he says, "I got to get better," and, and he added it, and it's been a huge part of why the Patriots turned into what they did. If the Patriots don't win the Super Bowl, it will be 10 years now since they last won. And it, yes, they will have gone to six, and they will have been in pretty much the Super Bowl, the AFC Championship game every year. It seems like uh, at least since this run began in 2001, but. I talked about this with with, uh, with Rare Admiral from Barstool Boston, and he, you know, said how he gets aggravated with Patriots fans of a younger generation because they never dealt with the losing and the and the bad decades of Patriots football that he had to. But we talked about how Patriots fans, you know, uh, they can be annoying, and they and the Patriots as a team and organization are still put on this pedestal that you know they are. They, it almost seems like the media acts as though the Patriots have won the last ten Super Bowls when they haven't won one in the last ten. And granted that's not much of a drought for some other franchises, but why is it that everyone still treats them as though they've been winning and winning when they haven't done so in, for, in what seems like forever when it really, I guess, hasn't been that long in the grand scheme of things? I, it's just it's just because the quarterback hasn't changed and the coach hasn't changed, and every year in the regular season, they're still damn good, and I think it's hard to win in the playoffs. Things change. They really shouldn't be here right now. They really should have lost to Baltimore. That was a miracle, and, and things like that sometimes they work for you and sometimes they work against you you know that look at look at their playoff losses obviously if you go back to 06 in denver that was a wild game brady throws the pick in the end zone it gets taken back it should have been called the safety instead the broncos get the ball in the one yard line even though the ball was fumbled out the end zone that game changes 
uh, 07 was, you know, just probably the best game I've ever seen a defensive line play from the Giants. I don't think that gets enough credit. I don't understand why none of those guys were named MVP. I think they all four of them should have been named MVP. Um, 09, they, they just sucked in 09. That was a bad Patriots team. Uh, 2010, the Jets, no one saw that coming. They just, they just laid an egg. That team was probably still not as good as we thought it was. That's, that, that's how, that type of team, like the 2010 team, they didn't deserve the, the, the praise that, that you're talking about because they, they weren't, they weren't that good. They had rookie tight ends. They had, they had issues. They had, they were throwing touch, trying to throw touchdowns to Algie Crumpler in the playoffs, who at that point was, you know, had one foot in retirement. So, um, it's just a quarterback and coach, but, um, I don't know. So, so I mean, I didn't listen to your podcast because I had I had things I'd rather do to your, <laughs> to your podcast with Mike Cole about uh, hating Patriots fans. Is it is it is it is it because of that? Because of that percent? I know you're big on what people think, but you don't want Team X to win because people will say why. Is it is it just is is that as much of a reason as I mean? Obviously, uh, any fan base that wins a lot even if it was 10 years ago, it was going to be obnoxious. But, but what is it? I, I, I'm, I'm dying to know. Well, I, I think that's it. But the other point, the other part of it is that uh, Patriots fans, you know, whenever they talk about the losses to the Giants, it's, I always hear them say, you know, we were two crazy catches away from being 5-0 and in Super Bowls. And that Brady and Belichick, the era, they should be 5-0. and And if they win this, they could be 6-0. and And it, it's almost as if they don't, count their first three Super Bowl wins as they could have gone the other way. They could be 0-5 right now. And I just yeah. I just hate the idea that they think, oh, well, we, we're we 3-2, but we could be 5-0. It's like, well, you were 3-0, and and you could have been 0-3. And, and I know we've talked about this with any championship in any sport, not just football, but it, all it takes is one, one bounce and one crazy player, one thing to go wrong, especially in football where it's one game and not a series, uh, and, and, and it's all over. And I think that I think that annoys me the most is that they think that, you know, they still have this idea of winning in the same sense that I had of the Yankees from 01 to 08 when they weren't winning, but they were still getting treated as though they were the best team in baseball during the regular season, and then they'd come up short in the playoffs. And I don't know, that just, it, it annoys me, and I just don't like the idea that they think that they were two crazy plays, a helmet catch, and a, you know, a double foot tap on the sideline away from possibly being 5-0, and or if you want to, you know, take out the Manningham play and throw the Walker play in there. But And I think that's also going into this game where everyone is talking about you know how can you contain Russell Wilson how the Seahawks can stop Rob Gronkowski and when it comes down to it it, it could be you know a, a Doug Baldwin fumbles the opening kickoff and the Patriots return it for a touchdown and that could be the biggest play of the game and it just seems like no one ever accounts for crazy things like that to happen and those are the things that really lead to championships yeah and I mean just look at the Seahawks right now I I, I already forget who caught it the two-point conversion in the NFC championship game Wilson just you know, did his typical turn his back, roll around thing, didn't work. He just keeps in the air. It's in the air for 25 minutes. Ha ha, Clinton Dix is just standing there, camped out under it. And then when it comes down, he just backs away. And the two-point conversion is completed. It's a three-point game. Now, you're, now your field goal in the next drive ties it instead of wins the game. So everything, I think every team that gets that far obviously had a lot of things go their way. I can't think in the past 15, 20 years of a team that just absolutely killed everyone along the way. I think everyone faces that that game where you, you know, sweat it out. But, all right, if that's, if that's what it is. But, I don't know, there's more to it. Something happened to you when you were in college, you know, when you lived here a couple of, I, Well, I know what happened to you after college when you lived in Boston. I know, I know what bad things you experienced, which would make you hold some disdain for Boston. So, um, <laughs> you know, I didn't have the best job. Didn't have the best boss. You know, it's a frustrating <laughs> way to live. 
you know, it, it probably wore you down a bit and left you a little bit resentful. But I'm always I'm always curious because uh, I want to know what goes on in your head. <laughs> well, I we'll, think we'll uh, have a whole like a psychology session another time. <laughs> it's funny because you have Giants fans who I'm friends with in New York who live in New York who have been to Boston, but they never lived in Boston and they haven't been there to, enough. To, to really understand uh, a New York-Boston rivalry, except for the sense that, oh, they hate the Red Sox because they're supposed to hate the Red Sox, or Jets fans that don't like the Patriots because they play in the AFC East together, or Giants fans who don't like the Patriots because they're a Boston team and they play in the Super Bowl. But I have Giants fans telling me that they're rooting for the Patriots uh, because they want it to be that the Giants were the only team to beat them in the Super Bowl, which is just an insane like way, that. an insane way of thinking. I like because, that. See, I don't like that because that's great. No, because it's like you're, you could say, "Oh yeah, we are the only team to beat you," and then the, the Patriots are like, "Well, we just won the Super Bowl, and you guys have made the playoffs in three years." So, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you'd rather win the Super Bowl yourself, but if if it's all said and done, and Bill Bill and Brady win four Super Bowls, and there are only two blemishes come against the Giants, that's I would want that. I mean, you you, you don't. I don't know. It doesn't. It wouldn't hurt you for the Patriots to win another one. I don't think it hurts the Giants at all. Obviously, they they suck this year and you, they've they've had some bad years. But overall, when you when you look at the big picture of Tom Coughlin's time as coach, that would be that would be pretty cool. Would you really want to share that with Pete Carroll? <laughs> well, I didn't want. Uh... I really didn't want Pete Carroll to be a Super Bowl winning coach last year, but now that that me neither. Now that that sh- ship has sailed, uh, it might, you might as well me. pile them on now. I, I, I've written so many times about, you know, fired up Pete with the pumpkin jacks crap and how stupid it was and how when it came to me. What was the playoff game we blew a couple of years ago? Atlanta, right? It was just like just yeah. brain-dead decisions in the final minutes, and it's like, this guy sucks. And then last <laughs> year, like, every everything he did was perfect, and it just it just completely disarmed everything I've ever said, and I had to stop my picks calling this week. I don't think I said one bad word about Pete Carroll, and that's just, you know, I feel empty without that. That was a big, that was a big part of me, and it's gone, so... You know, you don't, you don't, you don't want to have that same thing happen with you and, and Tom Coughlin and Giants. So, uh, I think, I think that's a reasonable. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. You don't want to root for anyone in the Super Bowl other than your team, but I don't know. Well, the thing with Pete Carroll and me, I always thought, you know, he failed in the NFL and then he went to USC and then ran away from there right before they got dropped with like they couldn't be in the playoffs for a few years yeah. because of things that went down. So, I never yeah. really liked him for that. But when he took over in Seattle and he went with Russell Wilson over uh, Matt Flynn to start the season. I I respected him for that decision because, yes, in hindsight, it looks better because Russell Wilson's great and Matt Flynn isn't even a starting quarterback in this league now. But also because no other coach would have done that. No coach would have gone and played the the rookie, uh, you know, just out of college over – the guy who's owed all this money, and and he looks like a genius now doing it. I just respect him because he actually went with the guy who worked harder in training camp. It wasn't um, a fake competition between the two that had already been decided, and something that he just hyped up for the media to to you know make Russell Wilson feel good and, and actually think he had a chance at becoming the starting quarterback. And even in the sense of you know the Patriots, and I know that Bill Belichick always says, or, or people always say that he was about to give Brady the job over Bledsoe. He didn't. He needed an injury to do so, and whether he actually was going to or had thought about it he he didn't until he got hurt so even Bill Belichick wouldn't have given Russell Wilson the job over Matt Flynn yeah maybe yeah we'll never know the truth that's obviously a convenient thing to come out after the fact but still Bledsoe did get healthy four or five six weeks later and then he had a he had to ride the bench you know it was it was pretty much over at that point and Brady at that point I don't think it really lit it up like he never that year his his average stat line was like 14 for 20 for 180 yards and a, uh, one touchdown maybe. It's not like he was, 
you know, like Wonder Boy quarterback. I think that that really was a philosophical change that that Belichick wanted a quarterback because the number one thing Belichick's always wanted is ball ball security, and Drew Bledsoe never had that, and Brady always has. So I think that I, I do believe that that change is going to happen. But you're right, no one else has has done that. I don't think Matt Flynn quite qualifies as like a, a Drew Bledsoe at that point, where Bledsoe is sort of. Uh, obviously, his his legacy isn't exactly Hall of Fame, but if you look at his numbers, they they really do stack up in like the top twenty statistically quarterbacks of all time. I don't I don't think of him as a top twenty quarterback of all time, but just statistically, he put up some numbers. So I don't think uh, Matt Flynn was quite that same decision, but yeah, and, and and sort of just talking about Carroll and Belichick and and going back what I was just talking about Coughlin is is the perception thing, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier with everyone hates Belichick is. You remember last time the Patriots in the Super Bowl, they cut Tyquan Underwood that Saturday night, and everyone was like, heartless Bill Belichick, what an evil bastard. This kid's ready for the Super Bowl, and he gets cut so that they can have a, a someone on kickoff team, the seventh linebacker. That guy's an a-hole. And, you know, the next day, Tom Coughlin, trying to make his team the best 45 men dressed, you know, didn't dress Mark Herzlick, who had the best story of anyone, who's the cancer survivor, who who didn't know he'd ever play again, came back at BC, goes to the Giants, you know, contributes in a big way, and, and he doesn't play in the Super Bowl because Coughlin's not trying to, you know, win kindergarten games. He's trying to he's trying to, to win the game and he did. And no 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 one said a word about that, about about Herzlick not getting to play, but Belichick was the evil guy. And I think so much of it, you know, any coach that makes a decision like that is doing it to try to win the football game, not to like you know, thump his chest as like the big boss man. So it's it's something that that's always been there. And and for for Carol, no one said you know, no one even I don't know. I guess people might have criticized him last year, but I think he's he's got the media in the trance because he's so darn peppy. But uh, it's 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 so much of it is perception. And I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm upset that Pete Carroll changed it because I like what <laughs> I used to think of Pete. Have you uh, have you? Gotten a chance to experience the twelfth man yet in your time, your short time? In oh my god! So far? Oh my god! They show like they piss me off. They they <laughs> they think they think they're on the team. They think they're like the they think they they think they're the fifth man. They think they're like a middle linebacker calling up the plays. They they showed up in droves. I mean, obviously individually, I'm sure they're all fine. But when they're in a crowd, it's just the worst. And they showed up at media day. They filled the place. You know, there's a lot of fans of different teams there, but. They're chanting. They're doing their Seahawks, and it's like, we're, I get you're excited to be here, but like, it's hard to hear what the people are saying, and it's media day. But I mean, that, that's just a big spectacle, anyway. I'm not personally offended by that because, frankly, I felt like a prop. That's all. That's all reporters are at that thing. It's just a prop. They need human warm bodies to fill the floor. To make. Why do you think it's at a, at a basketball arena? Because it's so tight. It's like a. It's a great visual. It's a great spectacle, but. God, it's it's there, you really can't get anything done there. It was it was it was a mess. Today was actually the same thing at the Patriots Hotel. Every single player was available, and it was basically media day part two. And it's going to be the same thing tomorrow. It's just it's from a Patriots perspective, it's so weird because you usually get zero access. If you go on open locker room, you might get two players to talk for five minutes, and this is just fifty three players for an hour. It's just absolutely bizarre, but. Uh, going back to your question, yeah, they bugged me the other day. They 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 were just chanting in the middle of press conferences. It's, it's absurd. It's like the Jets with Rex Ryan's press conferences behind the glass. The uh, people banging on the glass. I saw that people could buy tickets to Media Day. It was like, and they were yeah. and they were sort of selling it as like, pay twenty eight dollars and fifty cents and come watch 
uh, media members ask questions of the players, and I couldn't think of a worse yeah. thing to waste money on. And then they're no. like, "You get a gift bag with a radio in it, so you can listen." It's just like, what you know, what kind of it's person does it ridiculous. take to go to that? Well, there were thousands of people there. It was in the Suns Arena, the Phoenix Suns, and you know, basically like half the arena was open to fans, and they pretty much filled the bottom. And there were people in the friggin' balcony for media day in the last row of the balcony for media day. And it's just, I, I mean, I guess I take it for granted. I sort of, it's cool to see your favorite players in person. It's cool to see Tom Brady, you know, in the flesh. It's cool to see Rob Gronkowski, Richard Sherman, Russell Wilson, Bill Belichick, all these people, you know, in front of you. That's, that's something, you know, people go to training camp all the time just to go to practice to see them. So I get that aspect of it, but like media day is, is it's, it was fun. I had fun. It was a good experience. For one day, but if every day of my life was like that, I would be the most miserable person on earth. It just was like it was a zoo, it was a circus. So uh, I guess you go once and it's fine. If they had it every weekend, I don't think it would do too well. But uh, I think people just like seeing their team. And if you're a Seahawks fan, you enjoy just making a racket because only, they, they're the loudest people in the world. If you ask them, so <laughs> well, uh, it was uh, it was wild. I wanted to ask you about that. And you you said how every person was available both at media day and at the hotel um, on Wednesday. And I mean, I don't know the Patriots roster to the depths that you do, and like the last guy on the roster. But is the last guy on the roster like have a little booth at media day? Well, they have they had five big booths where it was Brady, Will Fork, Belichick. Um, maybe four big ones. And Revis, I think. And right? Gronkowski. No, oh uh, yeah, and Revis. So Gronkowski, Revis, Belichick, Brady had the big ones. And then sort of the next row was smaller podiums, and that was like guys like Edelman, LaFell, Chandler Jones, Dante Hightower, Devin McCourty, uh, guys like that. And they probably had 10 of those, maybe 12 of those. Eric one was there. And then the rest of the guys, they just roamed around wearing like uh, official team jackets with their jersey number on the shoulder. So there was a lot. I mean, I bumped into Ryan Allen, the punter, kind of like banged into him in the crowd. I was like, sorry, man. And he's like, oh, no, don't worry about it. And it's like, geez, what if I just, you know, rolled the punter's ankle at this stupid sideshow? Like, get this guy's safety. And that was another thing is that it used to have, they usually do it on the football field, but they changed it last year in New York because no one wanted to be out on the field in January, obviously. And so they copied that this year. And it was so, they usually have a spot for the other players to sort of like roam, but there was just nowhere. You could grab them and, and you can start, you could say you're a serious reporter from a newspaper and you're all, you know, buttoned up and you're like, oh, hey, player X, ask me about, let me ask you about this. And you could be in the middle of an interview and, you know, some camera crew holding up sock puppets will like butt in and be like, ah, what's your favorite color? <laughs> it's just like, it's just fake life. It's just absolutely absurd. But yeah, if you wanted to talk to anyone, you could. And uh, I, I tried to talk to people, but it's just so weird. Like, you don't need to talk to the seventh offensive lineman, really. But people were. People were talking to Jordan Devy. So it was, uh, it's all there. And then the Seahawks, when the Seahawks came out, because it was like an hour and a half, two hours later than the Patriots, I think more people just kept filling, filtering in. And it was, it was, it was impossible to do anything. I just bailed. I, I got out of there. I saw enough. I heard enough. It was, uh, it was a, it was a fire code violation for sure at, at minimum. Well, about the 12th man, I uh, I wrote a story for today about my experience in Seattle for the NFC Championship game, and it started when I got on the plane at 7 a.m. in Newark to go there, and the entire plane was packed with people wearing 12th man jerseys and you know having the greatest time of their life at 7 a.m. It's dark outside. You're in Newark. It's like the worst combination of things <laughs> in the world, and they're so happy, and it just continued the whole time, and I mean, walking from the hotel to CenturyLink Field was like a, like a probably a mile and a half, two-mile walk. 
and the whole streets, you know, the bars, the Seahawks chants, and the the flags, yeah. the 12th man flags hanging from buildings and storefronts, and it it was almost like, uh, you know, I, I compared it to Friday Night Lights when the uh, the town shuts down on like Friday at five o'clock because they everyone's at the at the uh, at the game, and and that really is what happened right before, uh, you know, people had signs, you know, we're going to be closed at 12 because of the Seahawks and kickoff, and and it's kind of nuts, and I guess I understand it because. In Seattle, there's not much. I mean, the Mariners haven't been good in forever. Their basketball team mm-hmm. left them. It rains every day. Uh, you know, grunge music is 20-plus years old now, and, <laughs> and Starbucks is everywhere in the world. So I, the Seahawks being successful is really all these people have. So I do respect them for that. And I always, you know, sort of downplayed how loud these people could be and always thought, you know, they must pump in noise. There's no way that this could be this loud. But that place is the loudest thing you've ever heard in your life for three-plus hours. No one sits down. People are just screaming, uh, you know, just mm-hmm. crushing beers, yelling. And it kind of is, is – it kind of sucks that it's not going to be like that in Arizona because, um, you know, that is their real – that's a real, real home field advantage for them. And I think that's the only bad thing I'm worried about is that in a neutral field uh, against, a, you know, another elite team is, uh, you know, that's the only thing that scares me is that they're not going to have the true 12th man with them in Arizona. Yeah, and I think obviously that's a loud stadium. It's, it's as loud with Kansas City, and they, they go back and forth with their stupid world record. But, yeah. you know, every stadium with loud football fans is going to be loud. It's just uh, an achievement in, in engineering is what that stadium is. That's, that's you know, great design. It's, it's like look at the TD Garden when it, when it was, you know, first came out in, what, 95, 96. It was, you know, this sterile, dull building. And then Somewhere around 2005 or six, they they hung giant rubber mats from the ceiling, and instead of the sound just going up and disappearing in the roof, it it just stayed contained, and it, that that became one of the loudest buildings in the NBA and the NHL. So, you know, credit to whoever designed that stadium. I think the craziest thing is is Gillette Stadium in New England is considered one of the quietest stadiums in the league. It's just it has the open corner. It's just not really built to contain sound, and it's the same capacity as where the Seahawks play. It's just a credit to however they built that with those roofs over the seats. It's, it's It was a brilliant ploy to say, oh, well, it rains a lot here. we got to keep the fans dry, when, in fact, it, it gave them uh, a home field advantage that nobody else has. Even dome teams wish they had that kind of noise. So, I mean, I, I don't deny that they're loud. It's just I think it has more to do with uh, the fact that, hey, I mean, I don't think they in those years when the team was terrible, I don't think they had much of a home field advantage. So it's uh, it has a lot to do with the team playing well and the fans being there and then just, a sweet stadium design because I think that does hurt him a lot because you know, I mean look at the NFC Championship you were there and you so you didn't watch it on TV but you could the first drive I don't know how Aaron Rodgers I don't know how anyone knew what the play was it was yeah, it, it was, was that loud like, I, I don't said, know how Rodgers knew what play it was like yeah. it's I don't know how he could hear it in his ear in his helmet and I and I sat down like seconds before kickoff and. I mean, I didn't sit down. I got to my seat then, and it was, it, I mean, it was crazy. And, you know, you're trying to talk to people around you, and you're screaming in their ear, like, and they can't hear you, so I don't know how he's on the field, you know, voicing uh, plays, calling audibles to guys that are feet and yards between them with the sound, like, pouring down. I don't know how, I don't know how there's not a false start on in, in actually every single play there. Yeah, and I like, and I like when, you know, the opening drive, the pick to Sherman, it's, it's, it's a little underthrown. It's not his best ball, and everyone. You know, I'm on Twitter at the time, and it was like, bad ball, bad ball by Rodgers, not a great pass. It's like, you got to be Like, people are so stupid when it comes <laughs> to, like, like Aaron Rodgers, you you know, the, he's the best passer in the game right now. He's probably the best quarterback in the game right now. He makes a bad pass that's, you know, three yards under the throne, and it's like, oh, bad pass, bad yeah. pass. 
And, like, it happens with Brady. If Brady throws an interception, everyone, like, rushes to Twitter, like, oh, that was a bad pass by Brady. It's like, it's amazing they ever throw a good pass. It really it is. Really, and, yeah, like, no, it is true. And when a bad pass happens, everyone's like, but a bad pass. It's like, no kidding. Like, geez, I know we were, I mean, I'm not saying we can't be critical of players when they screw up, but, like, you got to bring more to the table than that. Like, <laughs> but anyway, I don't know how we played at all. I don't know how I don't know how anyone plays in that environment. I've never been inside University of Phoenix Stadium, but uh, based on the fact that tickets cost like three grand minimum for like the worst seat in the house to sit by yourself, I'm going to guess the corporate crowd isn't going to be too crazy. I think there'll be, you know, a mix. I, I it didn't seem it was loud last year in New York, but it didn't seem too loud. You know, they 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 were kind of neutralized by. I'm sure some Broncos fans were there, and I'm sure some. You know, corporate people were there, but we'll see. I think there's going to be more Seahawks fans than Patriots fans in attendance Sunday, but uh, we'll see. I don't know if I'll see it from, you know, press box view or whether I'll be tucked away in a closet watching on TV somewhere in the bowels of the stadium, but hopefully hopefully it's A, but I'll, uh, I'll get back to you on how loud it is. <laughs> well, when it comes to the actual game and uh, and how it's going to be played and how the Patriots are going to deal with Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch, and I know they played a couple of years ago in 2012 and the Seahawks won on that like last second or last minute touchdown to Sidney Rice 24-23, but they haven't seen each other since then. The Patriots haven't seen a quarterback like Russell Wilson this year or maybe since the last time they saw him because there's not really anyone else in the league like him and certainly not the AFC. So, you know, I heard Tom Brady say today that uh, their scheme is set and now it's just about refining it. You know, what is that scheme going to be for the Patriots because they haven't seen the Seahawks in a couple of years and uh, this team, the Seahawks team, is certainly better than they were the last time they played and there's no one really in the AFC that compares to this team and, and a team you could say, oh, well, they played you know good against Team X and, and they're sort of uh, you know a relative comparison comparison of the Seahawks? Yeah, it's a good question because, um, you know, I, I've, I've, I'm sort of, I've been down on the Patriots all year. I said to, uh, at the end of September, I told my wife, I said, you know, well, at least you don't have to worry about me going to the Super Bowl this year because this team stinks. And here I am in Phoenix, you know, uh, three months later, four months later. So uh, I, 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 maybe I've just seen the Patriots do it for so long, but I sort of expect them to lose when they run into a good team because that's, that's been the MO recently with the, with how their seasons have ended. So, um, but I do think, I think, you know, you look at Richard Sherman, he's a guy who can like sort of make Des Bryant a non-factor. He can make some of the best receivers in the game, uh, either, you know, limit them to one or two catches or zero, or they just ignore the receiver for the game. But the Patriots don't really have that guy that, that they will want to shut down. You know, you, they have Brandon LaFell as their number one outside weapon. And I don't think you think, oh, we've got to use Sherman on him. You know, the Patriots' best receivers are Rob Gronkowski and Julian Edelman. And I don't think Sherman covers either of those. So I think those guys, uh, they should be able to get some space. It's going to be hard. The, the Seahawks do what they want. It doesn't matter who they're playing. They could be playing the Patriots or they could be playing the Browns. They're going to have the same defensive game plan. So they're going to play tough. I don't think it'll be easy, I think. But I, I do think they will. the Patriots, you know, they have the best coach in the league. They will be able to find holes. I don't know whether that's giving it to Blunt up the middle uh, and just, you know, working, working if that's the soft spot in the defense that you want to attack and, and just take it out of Brady's hands, you might do that. They did that against the Colts because the Colts have the worst running defense in the league. Um, you know, the, the Seahawks have, I think, the third best rush defense and the first best passing defense, or I might have those flipped. But either way, it's not exactly a weakness, but you, uh, you, you gotta, you gotta work what you can. And I, I think, I think they have a great quarterback and a great coach and they'll, they'll, they'll work ways to score. I don't think they're gonna get shut out, but I don't, I don't think it's gonna be easy at all. I don't think it's gonna be, uh, a high scoring affair. I don't think, I don't think any of that. So I think, I think if I were to compare which offense has a better chance to succeed this weekend, I would pick Seattle. 
Yeah, and I I had a feeling uh, you were going to be down the Patriots because I feel like whenever we talk, and I know going back to 2011 Super Bowl when I you initially said, oh, the Giants would win, then you sort of um, changed your answer to the Patriots. But I usually, flipped. When, I flipped on Friday. <laughs> usually when I ask you about, you know, do you think the Patriots are going to win, usually you're like, nah. Like, you're never really high on them like like normal Patriots uh, fans. Yeah. And, and maybe I mean, you're I not a fan anymore now that, you're, now that you're a reporter yeah, media guy. I'm not a fan, and it's not. I don't say that as a way that like some reporters. Like, oh, I'm not a fan. I'm objective. It's just <laughs> I don't know. I don't know whether it's because I'm you know almost thirty and I've matured out of stuff. I don't know. A big part of it might have been like in my in my you know formative formulative years when I was uh, eighteen to twenty five. I watched all the sports teams win championships. You know, I watched I watched the Red Sox win. I watched the Bruins win. I watched the Patriots win. I watched the Celtics win. It's sort of like everything had been fulfilled. And there wasn't really like a a yearning anymore. Like I, I still I still think like a fan. I still you know it. I I don't root against the team. I don't. All my family obviously loves the teams, but I just obviously I just and, and a big part of it is my job. I just I think you naturally get a little bit jaded with with the whole with the whole industry, the whole sports industry. When you're you know you're around players, you're around coaches, you know the dirt on them. You know you know like certain people aren't the best and. And they're you know jackasses, but they're they're considered you know heroes locally. And you know, I mean, I don't have a lot of spite towards those people, whatever. I really don't care. But I think it just sort of gradually washes away. So you know, I'll still you know if I get tickets to a game, I'm still going to go and you know have a few pops and get wild. But I don't <laughs> think it's uh, it'll never be the same. And it's 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 kind of sad. Those those were the best days, but I have a pretty good job, so I don't uh, I don't complain about it. It's it's just I, I can't say whether or not I would still be the way I was if I didn't have this job or not, but obviously you still have to love the sports and you have to, I mean, I'm thankful for the Patriots right now because what the hell else would I be doing in Boston if they, if they had lost two weeks ago? I mean, the Bruins are, you know, an eighth, ninth place team. The Celtics don't exist and the Red Sox don't have a pitching staff. So I'm very thankful that the Patriots are where they are. And that's the other thing I'll say, you know, reporters always say they're objective. They don't root, they root for the story, not the team. It's like, get out of here. Like, come on. If if you're covering, would you rather cover the Patriots this year or the Buccaneers? <laughs> would you rather cover the Jaguars or would you rather cover the Seahawks? Like which 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 team would you prefer writing about and, and you know getting to cover the Super Bowl and getting the you know you know getting buddy buddy with one of the winning players and writing their book and then putting on your resume number one I covered the Super Bowl and I did this so it's uh, everyone has their own rooting interests whether it's for a team or for their own personal reasons but. Uh, I'm very happy personally that I'm uh get to cover Super Bowl. So I I guess I mean is that is that fanhood or is that just like thank God they're here because that's pretty cool. I don't know, but yeah, and I think it's a little both. And I think when you're you know when you're Mike Hurley, the kid who uh, you know went to college for four years, and uh, you probably still uh, owes that college some money, and you have a kid at home <laughs> and a wife, and you're standing there with a tape recorder asking some guy who's going to make four, oh, he's going to get a paycheck for yeah. three million dollars next Friday. Uh, it sort right. of takes away, and I think that's why you know I never would go in the Yankees clubhouse. I never wanted to make those worlds collide because if I'm there, you know, it's one thing for me to you know say CC Sabathia, uh, you know, is this and that and rip him, but if I'm standing there and I know that he just you know threw 82 pitches and made uh, you know seven hundred thousand dollars that night, uh, I think I think that would jade me too. Right. Yeah. And I think, but you know, I was talking to my friend yesterday. He gave me a call in the middle of the blizzard. He's driving around and he's like. So if the Patriots win, do you get to go on the field? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and it's like, I, I honestly, I was just thinking, I'm trying to plan on my work schedule. I'm trying to, like, get everything done. I'm trying to figure out, conceptualize what I'm going to do at the game. And it's like that that like moment, you got to realize that 
it is pretty freaking cool. It will be the Super Bowl, and like it's it's something that if you went back and found me freshman year high uh, college two thousand four, and you were like, hey, yeah, you know, ten years from now you'll be you'll be at the Super Bowl. I would have like I would have crapped my pants. So <laughs> it's something I got to kind of remind myself about now, not to get too jaded and not to get too focused on asking crappy questions to professional football players because uh, really it's just a, a cool moment and. Uh, you know, either way, whether they win or lose, it's going to be a pretty cool experience. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it because I think, I think as far as Super Bowls go, you never know on paper, but this really should be a great one. It should be, it should be one of the better ones. No one, no one really, uh, I guess last year got hyped up because of the offense, but I think if you really believed in Denver going outside in January or February last year, you, you weren't paying attention for the last 10 years. So I think, I think this one actually has a chance to live up to it and, yeah, I don't know who's going to win. I'm, I'm wrong every week with my picks. You know that you're wrong every week too. But uh, I, I think I think if the Seahawks play their best game, they should win. I don't think the Patriots can handle the Seahawks best. I think that's the way I look at it. But you know, it's football. There's a the, the Seahawks sucked in the NFC Championship game and they still won. Uh, the Patriots sucked in the divisional round and they still won. So you know they they don't always play their perfect game. If they both play their perfect game. It should be, you know, a classic. So I'm looking forward to it. That's basically that's basically my mindset this week. <laughs> well, I I just wanted whoever was going to win the NFC Championship to be prepared to win the Super Bowl to beat the Patriots. And and when I look back, you know, I thought the Seahawks were the better team. I thought they had the better chance. And when you look at that defense and that secondary and how good they are, and you know how bad they made Aaron Rodgers look, and to think that. Russell Wilson played the worst game imaginable. I, I remember looking at the scoreboard at one point in the third quarter and it said he had 11 passing yards. And I was like, how, like, and at the time it was like 16 nothing or 16-7. I was just like, yeah. how is this team still in the game? I mean, he's turning the ball over. There was a point where, like, they the like offense wasn't on the, yeah, the offense wasn't on the field for like an hour of real time. And the next play he comes out, he throws another pick. And the Packers are starting at like the 5 and 10 yard line every time they get the ball. And they still couldn't score. And yeah, yeah. To, think that, to think that the Packers were given every chance to to run the score up and they couldn't against the offense and starting drives in the red zone just makes me think you know if Russell Wilson it plays even you know 90 percent is as bad as he did yeah and I think I think he can't play that bad again and I think that's why it's going to come down to like you said the the Patriots can't handle the Seahawks best well yeah and I think I mean a lot of that you can relate as a Giants fan because I feel like 40 percent of Eli's interceptions are off receiver's hand uh maybe not so much anymore but it really was the story of his career for like the first seven years every interception seemed to be on a slant that the receiver just booted off his hands and gets intercepted so I think two of Wilson's were like that last last game but um you know that that pissed me off when the Packers didn't go for it they get they get third and goal from the one yard line they gain about a foot on third down and kick the field goal and it's just I mean if you're on the road and you're in Seattle and you don't think you can gain two feet then I don't even know why you got off the airplane I don't know why you showed up at the stadium if you don't think if you don't think you can get two feet you don't think you can win the game and that came around to bite them. It's like, it's the, it's the thing with coaches. They always go with the safest route, but it, it comes back to bite you in a game like that where you need touchdowns. So if that, if the Patriots are faced with a similar scenario, we know that Belichick's not afraid to actually be bold, which I wouldn't even call it bold. Going for it and put down there is common sense, but you know, it might be considered bold just because there, there's an easy three points. But I don't think, I think that NFC Championship game was the first game I've ever watched in my life where there was a 17-yard field goal and an 18-yard field goal. That might be uh, an NFL record. So it was just uh, frustrating. I don't think, uh, you know, the Packers are successful, obviously. I think so much of that has to do with Rodgers. Uh, Mike McCarthy, you know, he's got a good football mind. But as a head coach, when it comes to making decisions, he just 
he just is not the guy I would want running my team. So I expect better coaching this week out of Belichick as compared to McCarthy. And, you know, the defense, the Patriots' defense is legit. It's going to be interesting to see uh, whether anyone can tackle Marshawn Lynch or whether they even bother. I think I think they're much more concerned with Russell Wilson. Uh, I think they like the idea of sort of bracketing him, sort of, sort of getting the end out, like they did with Rodgers in Green Bay in November. They just sort of say, like, all right, you know what? We're not going to even rush you. We're just going to prevent you from running down the field. And hopefully we can cover our receivers long enough and get you to screw up or take a short a short game because uh, Wilson's the dangerous one. I think he's the guy that can can extend plays and turn a, a broken play into a sixty yard bomb. So I think I think they'll let Lynch, Lynch not run free, but I don't think they're going to you know expend all their energy shutting down the running back. So that, that's what I would say about how the Patriots plan to plan to attack. So I know your pick column doesn't come out till Thursday, but I'm guessing you're picking the Seahawks. I'm feeling that way. I haven't done my my. Re- that's my initial gut feeling. I haven't done all the reads. That, that's what happened with the Giants last time. My gut was that the Patriots were going to lose because they weren't very good. Bronk was hurt. All Sterling this stuff, Moore and was I was playing. Like, oh, yeah, Sterling Moore was playing. <laughs> we didn't know if I actually asked Edelman this morning. I'm like, last time you were here, uh, we were all talking about you playing defense in the Super Bowl, and now you're like the number one receiver. So that's where we were all at three <laughs> years ago when the Patriots were here. Um, so I, I, I felt very strongly they were going to lose, and then you know, I did my research, and maybe I wanted to believe it, but uh, so I came around by Saturday. I was like, the Giants have no chance, and they had a chance, and they won. Um, so, yeah, I'm feeling that the Seahawks, you know, I mean, if they're getting a point and a half, uh, is that what it's at? Is it a point, point and a half? Yeah, I think let me, I, I, last time I, I, I believe I heard someone say that it was pick them, but I know that it started that. Then yeah, with the Patriots, it but... started with the Patriots getting a point, and then it, it yeah, went back still to minus even, one. and then yeah. the, the Patriots are. Yeah. I find that surprising. I think, I don't know, that's, I mean, so much of those are based on what people are betting, not who they actually think is going to yeah. win, but, um, you know, getting a point, I guess, doesn't really matter. I, I think, I think, like I said, if the Seahawks play their best game against the Patriots' best game, I think the Seahawks come out on top somewhere like, like 21-17, 21-20, you know, a game like that that's really close and really tight, but, you know, who knows, anything could happen. Wilson could throw four picks, Brady could... Brady could, you know, get his arm broken on the first play, and it could be Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> in the game. And then, and then, what happens to your offensive game plan? Yeah. I don't even know. So, um, I, I, I like the Seahawks if everyone, if all things are equal. But I wouldn't so much call that a prediction because I, my, my only prediction would be that some wild crap is going to happen, and, and none of us, none of us can see, foresee it. But I will say, I'm going to pump my own chest, pump my chest. I did a, I did a preview show before the AFC Championship game, and they asked me who, who, who was a key, key matchup to watch. And I said James Devlin's going to be immense, and they were like, oh, "Really?" And I was like, "I know it's a fullback; it's not a big deal." Yeah, uh, but I, I rewatched the Colts game from November, and he was huge. And sure enough, Devlin was huge. They ran the ball what thirty times to Blunt for 148 yards, and the man caught a touchdown. So um, I'm going to have to try to think of something between now and Friday, something to match my Devlin prediction. Cause that was that was the best thing I've ever predicted. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm on a hot streak of one straight game of nailing something random. So. Uh, if I if I think of it, you know, you can add it. You can add it in a text to your your podcast post, but I haven't gotten there yet. I think my picks are actually at exactly five hundred right now, like right straight yeah. across the board. So it comes, it all comes down to this game, and obviously, I have to pick the Seahawks because uh, I'm gonna be rooting for the Seahawks, and I'm now an honorary 12th man member for one day. So, <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so I'm on. You the would Seahawks. fit in with them. <laughs> well, Mike, uh, you know, thanks for coming on, and uh, at least you're in sunny Arizona, and I know it's kind of weird out there, and everything's spread out, and maybe there's not a lot to do, but it's better than being uh, in the Northeast, stuck in snow, and uh, continuing to listen to Deflategate. So, uh, you, know, ha- you know, at least if it's not a good game, you can always say you saw Katy Perry. <laughs> <laughs>
Hopefully, hopefully. Maybe I'll have to sneak out on the field. Maybe they'll let me you know, <laughs> sneak down there because that's a, that's a really once-in-a-lifetime. Uh, no, it isn't. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll... We'll see. We'll see if I can see Katy Perry. I think she has a press conference tomorrow. Maybe I'll go and ask her uh, what her favorite color is. It would be great if she was like, uh, just, uh, you know why I'm here. I'm just not to get fine. <laughs> she should. Because who cares what, who cares what Marshawn Lynch has to say and who cares what Katy Perry has to say. <laughs> exactly. All right, Same Mike. Thing. Thanks again. All right. Take care.